leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. cybersecurity. I am not Renee Small. Unfortunately, she was not able to make it today, but I will carry on the tradition. Um, that being said, thank you everyone for, thank you everyone who's following us on LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow myself as well as our guest. And then for uh, those of you that are on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that notification button. Um, this is a live podcast, so send in your questions. Uh, tell us where you're calling in from. That way we can uh, interact with you and have the conversation. We have an amazing CISO here today, and we're looking forward to his opinions, but we also want to see your comments to see if you have any questions for them and kind of help integrate you into the conversation. With that being said, uh, Siva, you want to give us a little bit of a background on you and Hopefully, I didn't butcher your name. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you did not. You're one of the few that uh, that did not butcher my name. So, okay. uh, Chris, thanks for having me here. So, uh, a little bit about myself. I am currently the head of security at ServiceMax. We are a late-stage uh, startup company uh, that is the market leader in um, field service management space, uh, a SaaS company by all uh, means and tradition. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, and... You want to give us a little bit of background for yourself? Like, how did you get into cybersecurity? Was it through the traditional route or was it a totally crazy way? Well, I would not call it totally crazy way, but it was more like the curiosity that drove me towards security. So um, when I started off my career, right, I was a pure software development engineer. All okay. I did was build enterprise applications, you know, Java, Python, C++, that, that's enough uh, stuff. And uh, you know, as time progressed, uh, I was working with JP Morgan at the time. You know, we were building uh, investment banking, data transportation APIs. Uh, it was pretty interesting research-oriented work. But as time progressed, I started engaging with the risk technology team, right? So 
I started building applications for the risk team. So essentially, how do we, uh, you know, automate and manage risk? How can we identify, you know, risk oriented with investments and uh, other functions of the bank and et cetera, et cetera. One of the components was uh, meeting the uh, regulatory requirements, right? And that is sort of my, you know, first sneak peek into various aspects of security beyond just the product and technology space. So I had the opportunity to work with um, you know, auditors, uh, work with some regulatory bodies, work with internal and external folks that kind of put a security and regulatory hat on, right? Yeah. As opposed to sitting and coding. So I kind of uh, took a bit of an interest. Now, you know, this is pretty interesting. Like the way they look at problems, the way they think is beyond just building an application. So uh, I thought, you know, it's a, like I said, curiosity drove my career. So I thought, you know, maybe I should kind of learn more about this. So I kind of said sort of a, not goodbye, but kind of a pause to my software development career and took a job with uh, PwC. Uh, again, great organization. I had the opportunity to work with pretty smart people you know, across the country, traveled uh, to various cities, but security was the primary driver, security, privacy, and risk. So, you know, as that went on a few time, a few years, I had the opportunity to do both technical aspects of security and the non-technical strategic aspects of security. So as time progressed, I wanted to take this combined experience and start building security from ground up uh, at a startup or, or of the sort. And, and, and I'm here. That, that, so it's kind of curiosity. I was very curious around, you know, what are these consultants talking about? Like, how, how is it different than what I am doing or what I'm thinking when I'm building an application? That's the wow. that's the way I got into security. Yeah, nice. I, I mean, and, and that's one of the the com competencies that I discuss uh, very often. That um, curiosity is one of those things that really helps you because um, whether you're in incident response, you want to figure out like how did they get in and uh, mm -hmm. what did they do next, or mm -hmm. uh, like you, like what are the regulatory requirements that we need to meet in the software design? And mm -hmm. so that's very interesting. Um, yeah. We have some callers coming in. Um, looks like we have um, Fortune from uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. And then we have uh, Ula from um, Canada. So have folks from all over North America call calling in. Um, so with regards to your view and your experiences um mm -hmm. do you feel that we have a shortage of people in cybersecurity? do we have that that talent gap in in cybersecurity when we're recruiting people what's what's your point of view there i mean i don't think there is a uh, gap or shortage in 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 people but mm -hmm. there is a gap in the expectations in my opinion right uh, you know, see, security is one of those spaces where, you know, anyone can come in based on uh, irrespective of their background. You know, you don't have to be pure technical guy to to be a security person. You mean, you, let us say we have a person that is analytical, that want that enjoys reading data, looking at data, investigating around what's happening. So, you know, security has like incident response and forensics that can, you know, very well align with their you know, interests and goals. Similarly, we have 
let us say a strategy based person that want to do a lot of thinking right there is risk you know how do we position risk uh, if, if there is a person that is a talker you know that enjoys working with collaborating with you know, cross-functional teams uh, having conversations and you know, understanding uh, stuff then there is compliance right and then if let us say there is a person that's purely technical you know somebody that can roll up the sleeves get their hands dirty and code there is application security right on the other side of the spectrum if there is somebody that has a you know small attention span there are people like that that are pretty smart right <laughs> so so for them there is all these other aspects such as you know penetration testing right you know sit find a vulnerability that's it take a break come back find another vulnerability you know penetration testing red teaming there are various aspects of security that can cater to various personalities of uh, you know humans right so it's one of the rare spaces that anyone can ha be happy with right so so that's why i say right there is no shortage of skill there are curious people out there that want to get in but there is a gap in expectations right i am hiring manager i do see a lot of you know hiring posts out there for a two-year analyst job, they expect to have CSSP, which in itself requires five years of experience, right? So there's always this conflict, right? And also we expect quite a bit because let us say we have a security operations person. We expect them to know everything about corporate security and everything about disaster recovery on the cloud and incident management on the sim and we want them to be very very proficient with sar and all this other crazy stuff so the point is we need to kind of set our expectations so that we we give the opportunity to hire and grow mentality as yeah. opposed to hire and hit the ground running on day zero yeah um one of the comments that you mentioned was that uh, individuals with a, a short extent attention span and uh, Brooklyn 29 on YouTube says thank you for saying that uh, Siva uh, because they have a short attention span and one of the, the challenges uh, for me as well I mean I have ADHD I recently was diagnosed having ADHD as an adult and mm -hmm. when I read more into it 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 really does change the way that you approach things. Mm -hmm. And I think the topic of tackling neurodiversity within this field has has been a, a bit of a taboo. Um, it's not talked about. And I, I think we should talk about it more because mm -hmm. I, I, this could be just my opinion, but I feel that there's a lot of neurodiversity within within cybersecurity, especially mm -hmm. those that um, potentially do like malware um, analysis, because you, mm -hmm. you you have someone that they, they just have that that really long drive to figure out what's happening, and they dive in the code, and then eight hours later they come back out. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, so, so firstly, you know, I'm sorry to hear uh, that you know you're you're going through this. And I, I completely agree with you. So I have personally known people that uh, that go through um, in a, a lot of trouble, and they they take time to identify what they really love and kind of stick to it. Like I have, I had a colleague 
that is so good at technology that does not want to uh, you know go the management direction because I'm like I, i'm truly happy right and and uh, you know all i do is bug bounty right all all he does is bug bounty he is like yeah. hey, i i go on the internet i find people that is uh, trying to find gaps in their system and there that is my requirement i don't have to be speaking with anyone i don't have to be dependent on anyone i roll up my sleeves i work all day get paid for it right so there are a lot of uh, variety of people and and i think we should definitely talk about these things you know out and you know, bring them out and uh, in open um, i'm sure you know some of you know we we have fairly mutual connections chris so i know you know quite a few people out there that that go through a lot of stress in in, in security jobs right uh, not not just uh, it's not just the ciso or the head of security that goes through the stress in at every level right there is a lot of uh, stress because we are one of those functions that need to be very alert 24 by 7 right we never know what is going to come which way uh, the recent lock 4j is the perfect example which ruined christmas for a lot of folks right so and i agree i think we should definitely talk about uh, the diversity and uh, the, the the neurological uh, concerns yeah and the other thing that i wanted to to bring up when it, when it comes to that is once you understand um uh, someone's neurodiversity you could take advantage of that mm-hmm. um there there's been uh stories of companies in germany that uh take individuals that you mentioned like that that have that desire to dive in deep into the code and mm-hmm. they want use them just for that role and mm-hmm. have a whole department around um that role so mm-hmm. uh definitely something we should definitely talk about more um brooklyn says yes neuro- neurodiversity would be a great topic um and then we have another long question um uh, from fortune she said she had an interview on monday with with a company called aqua security Mm-hmm. and they're working on their master's degree and graduating at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. They're taking their security plus this weekend and they're in the army reserves intel. And they have they have a part-time job as a clinical analyst. Wow, they're they're taking many wow. ma- yeah. many things from different areas and you're trying to transition into cyber. Um their job is complex, technical and requires a lot of critical thinking. Um and they were asked in their interview and it cut off. Oh, man. <laughs> that that was like a a run up. Um yeah. fortune if you could follow up with the rest of that question. Um I don't think it oh, I could see it over here on LinkedIn. Um they were asked about their military experience but was not convinced that the training would suffice as a cyber threat analyst. Um yeah. and they weren't sure what to expect. um they were wondering how would a ciso deem such experience as relevant or not actually you know having an army background right would be perfect for any cyber role right because like they are, they go through so much rigor right they know how to handle a stressful situation yeah like, see, having a process on paper is completely different when things start to hit fan right so going through uh, i i mean i know i have 
worked very, very closely with a lot of, uh, you know, men and women that served in the uh, military. And they are the perfectly poised, controlled people when there is an incident, right? Having an army background is perfect. And not to mention, you are actually going through quite a few other things. You know, Fortune here, like he's uh, already working uh, on his security plus, you know, working on uh, his master's in cybersecurity, working as a you know physician uh, or, or you know, supporting physicians. All of this shows the drive, right, towards getting into security, right? That attitude carries a lot more weight than sometimes just a skill set. If you are looking for an analyst role, I think I think you would be a perfect fit. Yeah, it looks like they were looking for a threat analyst role, and their reserve role um, status within within the army was as an intel analyst. So what it sounds like is if the the hiring manager that they spoke to wasn't convinced, maybe they didn't highlight how the, the transferable skills that they worked on would be relevant to that role? Most of the times that is what happens, right? So because the hiring managers, they go in into, into the interview, like, hey, this is the kind of skill set that I'm looking for, right? Uh, so again, it, it, it also depends on how the candidate is uh, kind of marketing their own skill. This yeah. also depends on the hiring manager to identify, hey, what are all the skills that I can take from this person? If I am to get all these skills, what is remaining? What are the gaps that maybe I can cover from a different role? Or maybe the person can improve on those skills, right? It, it kind of takes a bit of a uh, marriage to be specific. There is a bit of a compromise. That is yeah. that is what pretty much all of security is, right? I'm, I'm pretty confident, even as a security leader, we are not subject matter experts in every aspect of security, right? And there's always yeah. learning in the space, right? Uh, you know, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think the response to Fortune might be like, um, maybe look at the way that you're, you're, you're projecting your skills, you're marketing your skills um, for a hiring manager and um, maybe have some mock interviews with, others that are in your industry um that way they could potentially highlight what you're missing or how you're marketing yourself agreed linkedin is a great space uh, i'm pretty confident um uh there are a lot of leaders that are more than happy to at least you know review your resume have a mock interview sort of a conversation with you fortune uh, i know i'm happy to help uh, i'm pretty sure a lot of security leaders would right i think Preparing and uh, you know, articulating your skill kind of uh, is very important. Given there is a lot of dynamic activity that happens uh, that happens in the space, and it's a hot space as well. You have yeah. um, lots of candidates that mm -hmm. are, are going for these roles, so uh, sometimes there's a lot to choose from, and the hiring manager might, like you said, go in looking for this skill set, this skill set, and this skill set. And if they don't obviously see it um, based on your marketing, they, they, they might not be convinced. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that brings us to another a, a question that I had that mm -hmm. um, pings off something you mentioned earlier. You said that there's, there's a, a mismatch of expectations. 
is is that mismatch of expectations both on the candidate side and the hiring manager side because i i think on the candidate side sometimes we have um schools uh boot camps that kind of market their training their master's degree as you get this and you're gonna get the job for sure Mm -hmm. And after they get that, they realize that in the real world, um, mm -hmm. it's not that easy. Not just books and degrees. I think even movies to some extent or, or pop culture to some extent is also the culprit here. You know, predominantly, right? Security is presented as a person wearing a hoodie and gloves and trying to break into like, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to break into like complex systems, writing a lot of uh, you know code with the dark background and green font. In reality, right? In reality, that that is not every job, right? I, I think there is also a mismatch of expectations on the candidates to some extent, right? And the way I basically look at this is just like software engineering or any other career, right? There is an evolution. Right. Uh, so on day one, nobody is going to, you know, uh, expect you to break into like, uh, you know, super secret servers. Right. At the same time, yeah. uh, not every job is, is 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 that sexy. Right. So the way I, the way I uh, guide my mentees around this is, right. One, you know, understand what are all domains within security. Try try and understand what goes uh, in a holistic fashion within cybersecurity. Right. And, you know, there is, there is no one size fits all kind of a, uh, uh, you know, degree out there where, you know, you do masters from this, this uh, university and you automatically get into like Department of Defense cyber wing, right? Yeah. So I, I think we need to set our own expectations to some extent and understand this is not a sprint. Uh, you know, security career is more of a marathon, right? Yeah. And on the hiring manager side, the challenge there is the landscape is evolving so fast, right? Um, I know it took me more than eight months to hire a cloud security engineer, right? Because purely because there is talent out there, but being aware of cloud ecosystems such as AWS does not make them a cloud security engineer, right? So there's also some expectations that I will have to, uh, uh, the hiring managers will have to set uh, with, the, with the candidate saying, Hey, this is how the job is going to be in the, in the first 30, 60, 90 days. And this is how the job is going to be uh, in, in about a year time, right? Mm -hmm. This is my expectation. Does this align with your short-term and long-term goals, right? Having a conversation transparently would actually, yeah. uh, you know, I, I know there are quite a few candidates that, that voluntarily pulled their application back right after after i had that initial conversation right hey in my expectation I love that conversation though um, <laughs> I, I think all too often you you read a job description and you have the interview and they're two totally different things yeah um the job description versus the interview but then i, I love that you said that this is what we're going to onboard you in the first 30 days we're not going to expect you to 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 be running right now but mm -hmm we do expect you to do some some things during this mm -hmm. time and then this is how we expect you to grow i i, I totally love that because i think 
most times people come hiring managers are like okay they come in day one and you're, you're gonna start producing at a hundred percent but that that's not the case no so so this is this is what i say right if the hiring managers are not giving you that breakdown it is the opportunity for the candidate to proactively ask that question you need to ask the hiring managers hey now, what do you expect of this role in the first 30, 60, 90, right? If the hiring manager is not able to clearly articulate that, then the job description definitely is going to have a mismatch with the uh, actual job on the, you know, on, on, on the field, right? So some yeah. of these things, again, it, it, it's an evolution, like I said, right? This is not going to happen overnight. Uh, but as we see more and more people coming into the space, and more and more diversity happening in, in this space, uh, these things will automatically uh, fall in place is, is my, is my uh, hope. Okay. We have a question um, yep. from David on LinkedIn. Siva, what yep. projects would you say you appreciate to see from an entry-level cybersecurity engineer or analyst, like mm -hmm. a Raspberry Pi building um building a cybersecurity project what, what what sort of additional curious projects do you do you like to see um outside of their experience right so uh, it depends on what kind of role that you are uh, trying to break into right if you are looking for a like i said an analyst kind of a role i'd rather mm -hmm. see you do some kind of an incident uh management related work right take 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 like an open source thing you know let's say log4j you know compile a you know github related incident report right that clearly articulates hey this is the problem that occurred on may uh, on you know november of 19th and since then these are the five ten things that had occurred you know apache released this many versions and this is the nature of patches that have been uh, expected these are the companies that have been impacted or if these are the technologies that have been impacted, you know, that basically kind of gives the hiring manager a sneak peek into, oh, this person has the ability to conduct a due diligence around incident management, right? But if you are looking for a security engineer kind of a role, right, I would expect you to write, uh, you know, have like a GitHub repository that, that, write, that shows your scripting skills, right? You know, somebody that has you know, created all the shell and Python and PowerPoint, uh, sorry, uh, uh, you know, shell and Python scripts that can achieve automation around uh, general security DLC, right? Somebody that has done penetration testing, somebody that has, uh, you know, experience in, uh, you know, using open source VMs and trying to baking into them. There are quite a few platforms uh, that will uh, let you do these things, right? You know, and, and having your own bug bounty account and, you know, showing your rank within, you know, uh, Hacker One or something that, that you have achieved in the last couple of quarters. Now, these are some of the things that will show some value. The projects such as Raspberry Pi, they may open up doors with more of an IoT security related companies, maybe to to, to large extent, but you, your traditional SaaS companies don't necessarily deal with Raspberry Pis, right? Again, they are definitely interesting and and uh, exciting, but if you want to leverage your work to get into a position of your liking, I'd like to think in this direction. You know, where I want to go, 
what is the nature of work that I'll be doing? How can I show that I already have a head start in doing such work? Yeah, I think that the idea that spawned from a lot of Raspberry Pi projects are mm -hmm. like uh, setting up an onion router or mm -hmm. um, like doing doing something that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do um, without spending thousands of dollars. So mm -hmm. um, kind of creating those things. And I think that's why a, a lot of folks um, kind of go to the Raspberry Pi and they mentioned, thank you a lot for the response. Very useful. Yeah. Um, I know one, one of the non-for-profits that I support is called the Whole Cyberhuman Initiative. And like you mentioned earlier, when when candidates come to us, we we expose them to all the colors of the the, the mm -hmm. color wheel for information security. And mm -hmm. recently, one of the, the challenges that we did included something like that incident response situation mm -hmm. where you look at an incident, you create a report uh, for the GRC side or the, the the analyst side of things, and then included other bug bounties, other uh, hack the box type mm -hmm. engagements. And one of the things that I've actually recommended for, for a long time is if you do hack the box and mm -hmm. you want to say, get involved in um, reverse engineering or something like that, you now go, okay, so these are all the things that I had to do to achieve it. Now go in reverse, look for your logs, look mm -hmm. for all the indicators of compromise along the way from the steps that you did so that you can follow what a threat actor would have done to achieve mm -hmm. what you did. Exactly. So there are like two, for anyone that want to stay technical in this space, there are two resources, like one space, like you mentioned, hack the box. The other is try hack me, yeah. right? So the benefit with try hack me is that they give bite sized videos that will that the candidates can learn skills and try those skills on the environment. Yeah. Right. So I think it, it's very fortunate to see how, you know, if, if you if you look at traditional technical routes, right? There are all these. Uh, coding dojos you know that will teach you skills right mm -hmm. security it is I'm, I'm so thrilled to see sec within the security space those things have started you know popping up like try hack me is one like uh, uh hack the box is the other there are a few other places more than that there are so many open source security slack and discord channels that uh anyone can join and just brainstorm with fellow curious people uh, out, out on the internet, right? Uh, I've, uh, I mean, again, I'm part of uh, quite a few channels like that where we discuss about bots and you know, stuff like that. I know Chris, you and I are on, on a few, right? So for anyone that wants to essentially get into security, the resources these days are ample, right? And uh, uh, given that everybody assumes that there is a security shortage, there are people that are willing to actually help you figure out a way to break into security. Yeah. Uh, one of the other questions from, from our guest is, um, right now you're, you're working on their networking skills and writing down notes from uh, incident response and security operations mm -hmm. fundamentals. That um, brings up an interesting point is, how is networking different in mm. a cloud-first world from your experience? So, well, 
it is so the way it is different is uh, it, it is part of an evolution chain, right? So back in the day, there were VPNs, right? The you know, company had a VPN. There is like DNS protection. You know, somebody will have to monitor some of these things. Even now, they will have to monitor. But in the cloud-first world, the necessity of having a VPN has started to go down, especially in the last two years where everybody is working remotely, right? Unless you are a financially, uh, you know, unless you are a financial service company where everything is, uh, you know, under lock and key. These days, the corporate-wide VPN has, has reasonably gone down, right? So from an evolution standpoint, if you are a networking, uh, if you're a person with networking skills, then the way you should look at cloud is, how is this going to transfer onto a cloud ecosystem, right? There are web application firewalls, there are VPC logs, there are uh, you know uh, other ELB logs that every analyst will have to go through in case there is an event or an incident, right? So the way I look at it is, network has shifted itself from a corporate security domain to a cloud security domain, right? Yeah. It is a way for also you as an individual to evolve from a corporate security space to a cloud security space. It actually opened up a path for you there. Yeah, right? de definitely agree with that. And when you think about um, the differences in uh, infrastructure as a service, platform mm -hmm. as a service, software as a service, how, how does that affect your shared responsibility as an mm -hmm. organization or an individual? Um, that becomes another interesting aspect. Mm -hmm. So question question for you that I had, um, mm -hmm. for individuals looking to get into security, would mm -hmm. you expect them to have cloud experience? Um, I would expect them to know how to uh, you know, spin up a cloud account and uh, you know understand some intrinsics. Let us say, I at least want them to be aware of what an S3 bucket is and why is it used. I want them to at least know, you know what is the you know, differentiation between a, uh, you know, platform as a service and you know, infrastructure as a service, some of these things, right? Uh, but for anyone that is look, anyone that is like completely non-technical, you know, shifting their complete perspective from a different line of work into security, it is going to be a little challenge. My recommendation for them, uh, this is my my recommendation. Everybody is different. Yeah. My recommendation is to see if you can get into jobs that are with MSSP providers, right, or positions that are with consulting companies. The reason is the amount of hands-on experience that you will get uh, working for some MSSPs is going to be very, very valuable when you transition over from a service-based MSSP company to a SaaS-based uh, organization, right? Companies like these have, at least in my experience, my conversations with some MSSP providers has you know, it, 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 it is, I would not say it is a lower, uh, you know, baseline standard to break in, but the opportunity to learn in those companies is tremendous, right? Uh, if you're having a difficult time breaking into an existing organization, break into those companies, stick around for at least like three, four years, right? That will give you a lot of 
insight into how data flows and how cloud works and things like that. And then by the time you would also have a good understanding of where your heart is, right? Do you want to be a cloud guy? Do you want to be a uh, you know operations guy? You 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 will make a you'll be in a good position to make that decision. And then uh, moving on from the organization, that kind of uh, is a is the route I would recommend to some of the non technical folks. Yeah, one of the one of the other similar ways that I've recommended is to to go work for a vendor. Vendor, um, exactly. Yeah. Not not only do you have to know that yeah. vendor's product, but you have to know the ecosystem. You have to know exactly what, what the customers are looking for, how to solve their problems, mm -hmm. and everything like that. So uh, that that's definitely another way. Um, mm -hmm. So as we talk about the the evolution, one of yeah. the things that is changing is from a, a technical aspect, coding is becoming more prevalent and more required for many roles um, mm -hmm. because now you're having infrastructure as code, um, mm -hmm. GRC as code, everything, mm -hmm. everything is code. Um, mm -hmm. What are your recommendations when it comes to that? So again, uh, not every job requires for us to sit and code, but having an idea of automation and having an idea of uh, what, how can a business control can be translated into a technology conversation, right? Being technically savvy enough to hold yourself both in conversation with the business folks and in conversation with the technical folks that eventually is going to become a baseline requirement, right? Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which kind of uh, domain you are in, right? You know, you you will always engage some other other way with some technical uh, function of the company, whether it is engineering or cloud or uh, even uh, with the uh, even with your vendors around uh, Siemens or like everybody writes code these days, right? I think you don't need to be an expert at writing, you know, ent enterprise level application building, but you need to be at least familiarize yourself with what are these people talking about right how can i uh, interpret this into business language if you are communicating with your senior leadership right or if you are communicating with your own technical members of the of the team right you need to understand the the intrinsics of it not necessarily the uh, actual uh, syntax yeah the, the the joke i make is um I can spin up infrastructure on JSON, but you don't want your enterprise running on my JSON. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 a, that's a very good one. Like uh, there is also all this jargon these days, right? Uh, for example, I'm I, I'm sure you're, you're familiar, right? Just in the cloud space, in the last year or so, there have been so many acronyms created and products built, right? There is something from cspm to now you know cppm to now i'm i'm hearing in a few other uh, acronyms within just one domain now imagine translating or extrapolating that to other spaces right so it it is going to be a uh, a uh, in a complex uh, world uh, you know as we as we evolve but that's that's part of the learning curve Right. And, and that goes back to the competency of curiosity that you mentioned in the beginning. It's, mm -hmm. it's always evolving. It's always changing. And you're, you always have to learn something new. 
um, mm -hmm. going to that question, what do you do to keep up with the evolving changes? So one thing I do, I enjoy, you know, reading uh, the articles. So I subscribe to you know, cyber news, uh, you know, websites and uh, channels. Uh, like I said, I'm also part of uh, quite a few Slack and, and Discord channels where, uh, you know, other security people are willing and happy to share what they think is, is mm -hmm. the latest and greatest in security. Now, keeping up with the news, things like that, keeping up with the technology. And one more thing I always do is I speak to vendors quite a bit, right? Okay. Because at the end of the day, there is like build versus buy in this in this day and age. It's all about commercial off-the-shelf solutions. So uh, I always keep up with the vendors, right? I, I always try to understand what are they, what is somebody building and why, right? How is it solving? What problem are they solving? And is that problem relevant to me, right? And having such conversations will not just, uh, you know, keep your, will not just help you to keep up to date with the, with the trend, but also gives an opportunity to introspect and understand, right? Okay, why haven't I considered this in my strategy? Or should I even consider this in my strategy, right? Now things of that sort, uh, that's, that's one way to keep, keep anyone up to date. I love that build versus buy, but then that brings in a, another complexity um, mm -hmm. when it comes to third party risk and managing mm -hmm. third party risk, uh, for example, uh, solar winds, uh, mm -hmm. NAPETIA. So when when you're looking at this build versus buy and you choose buy, mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that that you look to mitigate that risk of potentially not being able to see the code or mm -hmm. uh, not being able to control that they updated to the last version of log4j. Right. So uh, we have a third-party risk management program that is part of the security function. So where we uh, do a pre-screening of the vendor, you know, understand what is the nature of this uh, product? Is it touching? our environment, is it touching the data? Uh, if it is touching the data, what kind of data it is? We have like a, not not 300 questions definitely, but uh, you know about like five, six questions that we uh, you know try to understand the nature of the interaction the vendor would have with the organization. And based on that, we have a very uh, you know, tailored assessment that we send out now. We do send out assessment, but the idea of having that assessment is to just a comprehensive insight into the vendor's security posture, right? If they already have some, you know, pre-filled documents, we're happy to accept those. But more than that, we look at their pen testing reports, right? We try to understand how their product is uh, handling data, right? How, how, how they are handling, you know, authentication and authorization and all that good stuff. And if we still have questions, one thing that I have been doing lately is hopping on a call with the CISO of the vendor itself, right? And I, I, I want to hear it from the horse's mouth to understand what do they think problems in their security like, right? What is they? What are the top three things that they are looking to solve from from a security standpoint, right? Again, we do this only for the. We also have a vendor classification. You know, we classify vendors into tier one, two, three, fours, depending on 
how they interact. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, most of the effort is put into you know, tier ones because they somehow touch the data, a compromise on their side will have a grave impact onto our organization. So that is how we approach the, them. But the challenge I see with third-party risk is it is it is with the zero days, right? Now, what happened with SolarWinds that you mentioned, right? Nobody could have actually even caught uh, on the customer side because like there's no third-party risk management that actually goes into that level and say, you know, somebody actually had a password uh, compromised, right? Uh, so there's always a risk that, that we cannot plan for. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, well, we have about 15 minutes left and I wanted to get into uh, an interesting topic and see your points of view. Um, earlier, we talked about the shortage or potential shortage of skills. So let's assume that we have a shortage of skills. How do we develop a pipeline for talent to get into this industry and um, help prepare us for the next 20 years? Mm -hmm. What are your views on that? So uh, one thing, at least I, I do mentor a few uh, candidates, like no, no more than three in a in a year or, or uh, something like that. But the way I basically uh, think through this is what, where is a shortage like, right? What is the space? For instance, we readily know there is a huge shortage right uh in in cloud security like i said it took me eight months to hire a candidate and what i realized is it's not the shortage of the candidates it is the mismatch of the alignment between the expectations and the availability of the right uh, right people so the way i look to bridges gap is you know creating more awareness you know having uh talks and con uh, and and having pe encouraging people to attend security conferences right Again, not 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 just like things like RSA or DEFCON. Like I know they are like <laughs> too big of beasts, but even local ones, you know, B sides, right? I you know, these, right? local Silicon Valley chapters. You know, uh, look for candidates that are already part of your uh, you know ISC uh, forum. Like look for candidates that are already part of your uh, you know community that that you are part of. Right? Speak to your colleagues and peers in the industry. I'm pretty confident. You know, everyone out there has a person or two on their team that is looking for the next challenge, right? And if I, you know, let us say, if I reach out to you and say, Chris, I'm looking to hire like a, you know, senior staff level uh, application security engineer. And if you know you have a candidate on your team that is looking for, you know, the, their next adventure, I'm pretty certain that you would, you know, at least make an introduction, right? So things yeah. like that, you know. Caring and sharing resources is one way to bridge the gap of shortage, right? Uh, as opposed to competing for the same resource, we need to start sharing resources. Uh, you know, that will uh, you know, help everybody out. Yeah, one of the um, comments from Professor Roger White is mm -hmm. um, that works. Uh, I'm working on that at Black Cybersecurity Association to develop mm -hmm. that diversity and skills pipeline and um, love the comments, uh, Doctor. Doc, sorry, Professor White. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's that's another thing that I think we need to do is expand our search area to mm -hmm. not just um, like cybersecurity associations, 
um, mm -hmm. go to law practices, go mm -hmm. to go to um, uh, audit yeah. firms, go to ma mathematicians, scientists, like having that diversity of thought um, also helps too. But we also need individuals from different experiences, different cultures, and that will all help solving complex problems. I, I, I can't agree more. Uh, I mean, I actually interviewed for a role. I interviewed a person that has done their law degree, right? They have worked at a law firm for, for, for a few years doing regulation and they want to get into uh, security because there is this whole you know evolution of security and privacy regulations that is happening so yeah. you know, I, I interviewed this candidate and and uh, i i think i think there is a lot of uh, you know interest that is being expressed by cross-functional cross-domain candidates to enter cybersecurity. It is an opportunity for us to see if they fit the bill. Uh, you know, that's that that's the one way of uh, you know bringing more more folks in. Now, now let's talk about um, earlier in the pipeline. How mm -hmm. do we get that awareness um, in college, high school, mm -hmm. elementary school, middle school? Like, how, mm -hmm. how do we extend the pipeline? Um, shift left, should we say, um, <laughs> to earlier in in the students' lives so that they're mm -hmm. aware of this and mm -hmm. that it's not just um, a boy's thing or mm -hmm. a nerd thing, um, however you want to show it, that labels that it might have. So everyone's welcome to it. Yes. So uh, very recently I have done a talk uh, at, a, at a school uh, about, uh, you know, why college education is important, you know, what are the kind of careers uh, that they can you know, tap into if they were to go to college as opposed to stopping their education after school, right? That was the intention of the topic, right? Halfway through, right, the students kind of derailed the entire conversation and we started talking about cybersecurity, right? B because like they were so interested in what kind of a job, uh, you know, the speaker is doing. And it's not just me, even uh, there were a couple of other panel uh, folks that were speaking, right? So you know, what kind of job the panel uh, was doing and how did they get in and what are the kind of challenges that they face? So to answer your question, the way we create this awareness is to start uh, going to your alumni, right? You know, go back to your school, go back to your university, you know, have a conversation, right? Uh, saying, hey, you know, I have I've studied here or even your local school, you don't have to kind of go back to your alum, right? Go, go to your locals uh, or if there is an opportunity to speak, right? Have a conversation around why cybersecurity is an interesting, evolving and a, a fruitful career and uh, how security has a, uh, you know, little to no difficulty entering in, entering into the space. Um, what are the skills that's needed? I think that, that at least if you speak to 50 students, even, if five kids show interest, right? That's a, that's a win. Yeah. Right. That yeah. is that is one way of creating awareness. Okay. Um, here, here's an interesting question for you. Do mm -hmm. you do you see cybersecurity as a profession or as a trade? I actually see security as a trade. Right. The reason is. The reason is it's a, it is embedding itself right into every aspect of the organization right think of it 
10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, security is treat, or security was always treated as a back office function, right? The role of a CISO never existed, right? Or if it has existed, it was never given the uh, you know, same respect as a CISO is receiving today, right? But what has changed, right? The organizations evolved, so did the bad actors, and security has kind of established itself as a business function as opposed to be uh, establishing, establishing as a technology function and tucking away as a back office entity, right? So when we start treating security function as a business unit that supports the enablement of the organization, that is where you see that, you know, we interact with HR when it comes to, you know, uh, how employee risks are managed. We interact with engineering on how product uh, risks and uh, uh, products are being built. We interact with legal in case there is an incident and need to uh, engage with federal agencies. We interact with finance in case there is a financial fraud or somebody fell for phishing uh, on, on any of the other function side. We interact with uh, sales, right? to help customers understand how well we position ourselves in security. The whole customer trust piece is what I'm referring to, right? Uh, we interact with customer support, right? In case there is a uh, disruption to the business that has happened because of a security event, right? So just by looking at it, right? Security has, security need to interface with every business every function of the company so why not security can be established as a function itself right okay, okay. that's why i see that it, 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 it is it is that is how it is i see it and what are your views if you see it as a trade many trades have apprenticeship mm -hmm. um what are your views on potentially creating a, a pipeline via apprenticeships where you're mm -hmm. learning on the job you're, you're still getting that education and mm -hmm. um, you're, you're growing like that. So I, I think having an entrance and apprenticeship is good. I think we are already, uh, I'm part of a mentor program where we work with a university, right? We coach uh, people to some extent and see if they can get an internship, right? While they are in the school so that they can, uh, you know, understand the real world of security, right? See, the challenge there is this. Getting an apprenticeship is one thing, right? The you know, given security is considered like a very uh, what do you say, uh, very obscure area, purely because of the domains, right? See, if if, if I'm getting a, an, an intern, right? Do I do I should I put him or her, uh, you know, shadow GRC? Should I have them shadow product security engineer? Should I have them shadow uh, security operations uh, entity? Do I have them shadow cloud security? Or should I sh have them shadow data protection? They're like multiple ways, right? It kind of becomes a difficult uh, decision even for the hiring manager. Okay, who should I have this person, this person shadow, right? And the person may not even know that security has this many domains. So I think I think. Apprenticeship program is a good one, but even before the program begins, they need to have like a conversation, like understand the personality of the person so that they can make a decision. You know what? Given this person, I think I think they are they're, they're technically, they may be technically savvy. So let me have them shadow a product sec, uh, engineer, right? 
uh, it is that is what I would I would think. That, that okay. that's my opinion. Uh, okay. But schools should actually schools or universities should partner with organizations to put a program in place. Okay. Um, I guess internships are a little bit slightly different than apprenticeships. Well, uh, for example, yeah. in, in the electrical trade, mm -hmm. um, you start as a, a, a journeyman. No, you progress to a journeyman, but you come in um, with no skills and mm -hmm. then you start to learn on the job. Plus, they supply you with additional education um, mm -hmm. on the side. And mm -hmm. that's how you grow in the role. Um, what are your views on that? I think I think it's not that simple, mm -hmm. right? Uh, see, in case of a trade like that, right? You you essentially uh, you can be maybe walk you know, walk to a you know a, you know a, 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 a company that provides you know uh, electricians as service, and then and have somebody shadow the actual electrician, right? But in case of security, it's a lot more streamlined, right? Um, it may work in case of an MSSP service provider, right? That is why I say if there is somebody that is having a hard time breaking in, you should look for joining MSSP or some kind of a SOC service, right? Apprenticeship will definitely work in that space, right? But it may not truly work in a corporate environment because it becomes uh, a little bit difficult to manage the capacity itself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because, um, see, because there is access also related, right? You no, know, because you have an apprentice. Are you going to give them the access that your engineer has? Maybe. Maybe not. Right. Yeah. It kind of becomes a bit of, uh, uh, you know, challenge on how we deal with the logistics of it. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, one of the questions from our audience is, mm -hmm. what is your favorite cybersecurity related book? Mm. These days, what I'm reading is basically the uh, in a 2020 yearbook, right? Uh, that I recently got uh, that was sent to me. Uh, at least that's that's my uh, latest one today. I think Cyber Warfare is a good one written by you know Nick, Nick Chevlyov. Uh, it's it's a very good book. Anyone who is looking for uh, a non-technical uh, take on security they should definitely read the book. It's, it's, it's a very good one, right? Okay, okay. Uh, if you are looking for a more hands-on uh, books, then, you know, practical pen testing, things like that, they are, they're, they're really good ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, another question is, how can they connect with you? Well, you're on LinkedIn. Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, yes. Reach out, connect with him on LinkedIn, and he'd be happy to, to connect with you. Um, we have a couple minutes left. I know one of the, the, the questions that we talked about before is security culture within an organization. Um, mm -hmm. How do you look to evolve security culture within your organization? Uh, see, security and culture, right? They have evolved over a period of time. So back in the day, right? The human was the last line of defense, right? But I respectfully disagree with that statement. Today, I would say human is the first line of defense, right? Everybody in the organization need to know that security is their minimum responsibility. I This is something that I always say with uh, within the team, right? Security is a team sport. 
I can have a multi-million dollar security budget, have all these fancy tools and defenses in place, but all it takes is like one person to assume that phishing link is real and click on that link. That is all it takes, yeah. right? So security need to be ingrained uh, in, in, uh, in, in an organization. So everybody should think when they find a USB drive while walking to work uh, that says like, hey, you know, Game of Thrones, all eight seasons, they should know that they should not plug that in into the office laptop, right? So you can only get to that state if you make security part of the culture, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, even if it says um, 2022 bonuses. Bonuses, uh, yeah, exactly. Don't, don't plug it in. <laughs> Uh, so so we, we actually conducted such uh, simulations. We dropped USBs uh, uh, saying like, you know, financial numbers, et cetera. And uh, I'm glad to say that uh, no, no, nobody fell for it other than myself. So That's good. That's good. Um, one of the, the, the questions that I love to ask everyone is that if you had to summarize everything that we talked about into one piece of sage advice for someone looking to break it into the industry, what would mm -hmm. that be? It is uh, reach out to your uh, within your network, outside of your network. Reach out to people. Do not be shy. Do not be afraid to have a conversation with uh, uh, you know anyone that you think and know are working in security. Having a simple, straight, pointed conversation will yield a lot more information and benefit and direction than reading through a thousand books, right? Definitely reach out to people, reach out to your professors, reach out to your colleagues that are in the security space. Just try and understand like what is happening in their world and how can, how can, how can you help? Love it, love it, love it. Okay, uh, that's it for today on CISO Thursdays for breaking into cybersecurity. If you're following us on LinkedIn right now, um, follow or connect with uh, myself or Sylvia. Um, if you're following us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, that, that notification button. And if you're listening to us on podcast after the fact, um, welcome to share it with everyone that's interested. We need lots of folks to come into the industry. So just share away. And thank you all for joining us on another CISO Thursdays. Have a great rest of your day. Join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. for breaking into cybersecurity. And we have a marketer turned privacy analyst. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk to them tomorrow and hear their story. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks. Yep. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.